Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. On today's episode, we have Pilates instructor Jen Gorman. She is on Instagram, also known as Jen Gorman. She has scoliosis, she is fused, she is an instructor. She has traveled extensively. She's here to tell us her story about the time she was diagnosed up until the present and what she is doing. Jen, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Teresa. I'm happy to be here. You're welcome. Can you share with us from what age you were diagnosed, where you were diagnosed, and what it was like during the time that you were diagnosed, how you felt, how your family felt, what was the emotional space that everybody was in? So I was diagnosed in the fall when I was 11 years old. Okay. And as a side note, I would say that in the spring, there was the scoliosis Adams check in the schools. And I have to think that I had to have had a curve at that point and it may have been missed. Okay. Um, And then in the fall, I was in ballet class and my teacher noticed asymmetry in the shoulders. So you know, this is pre-internet. There's not a lot of research you can do. So we went to a chiropractor okay. um, and he ended up giving me a couple of exercises, uh, took some images. He measured the Cobb angle at around 21 degrees. Okay. Um, and then six months later, I went back. Um, he thought that the Cobb angle had increased into the early forties. But in fact, what had happened is the first, um, x-ray, he did not measure the Cobb angle correctly. Okay. So at that point we went to an orthopedic. Okay. And we were really only given the options of wait and see, maybe think about doing a brace Okay. or surgery. Even at 40 degrees, it was a wait and see. Yeah, it was 42, 43. He said, you could wait and see. We don't know how much you've grown. It was also before they could measure growth plates. Okay. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, that's what he, that's what he had to offer. He did okay. give the option of wait and see at that point. Okay. Okay. And his suggestion, if we did go forward with surgery in Idaho was to do us what's called now a selective thoracic fusion. Okay. Because the thoracic curve was in the 40s and the lumbar curve was like 25 degrees. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So 
um, we ended up also going down to California because I was on my dad's insurance and we talked to doctors in Oakland at the children's hospital. Okay. And so what's interesting is that the option in Idaho involved Harrington rod instrumentation and the option in California was the new CD method, which is the Cottrell, Dubasset, the cages. I'm not familiar with that method. So that was right after the Harrington rod method. They started offering the CD. And so it's mm -hmm. more of the pedicle screws and the cages. Okay. Um, and the main benefit to that is, was the maintenance of the sagittal curves. Okay. So sometimes the Harrington rod ends up with a little bit of a flattened back, mm -hmm. whereas with the CD method, they try to maintain the curves um, in, I'm trying not to use too big of language, but there's a curve in the mid back that moves towards the back space. There's a curve in the low back that moves towards the front space. Mm -hmm. So those sagittal curves, the kyphosis and the lordosis that right. is naturally occurring. Mm -hmm. And so the CD method was trying to maintain those natural curves. Um, it was really new at that point. It came over from France. Um, the way it was explained, interestingly, is was that there was no rod, which was accurate. <laughs> so is it However, the tethering method? No. Okay. No, it's cages. It's cages. Okay. okay. So you still don't have any um, articulation or mobility in the spine, mm -hmm. but because it was explained as there was no rod, like it didn't make any sense. Like okay. I remember we bo both, my parents and I thought like, well, how does that do anything? Like just is interesting now to think about those conversations and yeah. what I know yeah. to be like, hmm, that wasn't quite. So okay. for another example is we did end up doing the surgery in Idaho with a Harrington rod in the thoracic, mm -hmm. the doctor, maybe he said it, but we didn't catch it. Okay. Didn't we, I didn't know I was going to have a bone graft with a separate incision. Mm -hmm. So the ability to research independently, and I think bedside manners, you know, and this would have been the late eighties, things have really changed. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully for the better. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because I actually just spoke to somebody yesterday and talking about bedside manner and what and they worked this as a Schroth specialist mm. and what she was learning at the time uh, mm, in the hospital and what she didn't learn. Right. And we were talking about that. And it, it's, I hope it, it seems to have changed slowly along the way, but it's a long, it's a long journey. It's a long yeah. journey. So you mentioned that you, uh, you're, you were a dancer, you danced. Did you have pain during that time? So did you I notice would say pre-surgery, no, I did not have pain. Okay. And I would say post-surgery, I was, you know, like many people with scoliosis, I was hypermobile. I had extreme mobility. Mm -hmm. And so post-surgery, I was in a brace for six months. And okay. I was told I could only walk. Um, so I didn't do anything other than walk. And I did go back to dance. And I don't honestly remember those first couple of years if I had pain. And I also don't recall feeling limitations. Okay. 
even though T3 through T10 had been fused. So Mm -hmm. a significant portion, but I was, I had so much mobility. I just found it in other places at that time. Okay. Um, I would say by high school, I started having some pain. Okay. And what, where was the pain? Was it in your, was it in your back? Was it in your legs? It was in the low back. And then sometimes um, I would have some rib pain that was mid back. So that Mm -hmm. when I would take a deep breath in, it would Mm -hmm. kind of shoot mid back and neck. Maybe there's some nerve things going on as well. Okay. And how long, how old were you when you had the surgery? And what were your degrees at that time? Had, had they increased from the 40s? So I had surgery when I was 12. And the degrees were probably somewhere around 42, 43, mm-hmm. you know, give or take, because there's always some error. Right, right. And then the lumbar was 25. Okay. From what I recall, and from kind of reviewing, I do have my notes from surgery and my notes from my doctor. Do you um, really? I, yeah, I asked wow. for them when I was 22 and I was, I'm very thankful I did because I didn't know what my fusion level was. I didn't know anything about my surgery. Yeah. And, and how long ago now is it since you've had the surgery? So I am 45 now. Okay. So I've had instrumentation for 33 years. And how does it feel? Um, I, it feels fine. I think that, um, the way I move has changed significantly. (laughs) Um, I, I did continue to dance Mm -hmm. and I did dance professionally, which, um, I'm not sure knowing now what I do know about scoliosis and spinal fusions. I'm not sure how I managed to do that, but I did. And I think it kept me stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some things I would have liked to have known, but I think now I feel pretty good. It's pretty rare that I have pain. Um, but I do a lot of different types of activities and movements. Okay. Um, that seem to help me stay out of pain. And I'm pretty careful about sitting too much. And what are, what are some of the movements, if you wouldn't mind sharing, what are, what is your daily routine look like? Okay. So it's not sitting too much. (laughs) Yeah. So it really changes a lot. Um, so I do do yoga. Okay. It's more of an Iyengar based yoga. And I really do enjoy working with what's called an Iyengar rope wall or a pelvic sling. Okay. Um, and that can involve some downward dog with a little bit of extra lengthening mm-hmm. um, involving the ropes. Okay. I also, so I teach yoga and I teach yoga for people with spinal fusions. And it's more of a therapeutic approach. Okay. And then I also do Pilates myself and I teach Pilates and, um, that feels really good to me from a strengthening perspective Okay. and from a core perspective. And I walk a lot and I just get as much movement as I can. I do generally try to stay in a neutral spine Okay. Um, I don't do a lot of rotation or rounding through the back or back bending or side bending now. 
is okay. Okay. Is how I approach my movement. It's not to say that, you know, when I go to reach for something, I might rotate a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's not a fear-based thing, but I'm Mm -hmm. choosing not to exercise in those ways. I'm choosing to exercise in a more stable way in a neutral spine. Okay. And, and with the Pilates, with you doing it, Mm -hmm. are you able to do it on every apparatus on a tower reformer mat, obviously? Yeah. So again, like it's pretty modified because Pilates has like one of the principles is spinal articulation, but then one of the principles is also axial elongation, which feels fabulous. So (laughs) I've taken the spinal articulation out Mm -hmm. and there is, there are things that can be done on all of the apparatus without that spinal articulation. Okay. And, and, and so you are, those are tools that you use pretty much every day, as you said, also walking. I mean, you're in Idaho. Yes. And I, walking, so, like, hiking, <laughs> biking, cross-country skiing. I love to cross-country ski. Okay. Um, and then I also do um, a lot of breathing, both in the yoga way and also mm-hmm. the shroth way, um, semi-hanging. There are things that I love that are part of the shroth. Um, PSSE, yeah, scoliosis specific exercise. So I incorporate that in my movement okay. practice as okay. well. <laughs> okay, and and so like, so how was it? So when you were dancing, I, you were dancing professionally as well. I was, yeah. And how did that? How was that? And I'm, I know that you were in New York at one point. So if you were dancing professionally, uh, and people saw your scar, did they? How? how was that? Was there an impact where they, did they get scared? Did they freak out? Did they ask questions? Did they notice it? I would say in general, people didn't really notice. Um, I can think of one time when I was in San Francisco and I was taking a modern dance class that was Cunningham based Mm -hmm. And we were doing the opening curve series, which involves um, spinal flexion or moving, curving the body towards the backspace. Mm -hmm. And the teacher came up to me and she's like, can you try to curve a little bit more? Cause you're trying, you're the, the idea is to curve through your thoracic. And I kind of looked up to her. I'm like, Oh, I really appreciate the note, but I have a metal rod in my back. (laughs) And she just started laughing and she's like, Oh, okay. That's not going to (laughs) happen. Did, did you ever have those experiences where like you're trying to do that and you're stretching and you're, and you're doing, and you're like, this feels so good. And then people are looking at you like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm stretching. And they're like, you are. And you're like, it feels amazing. They just look at you like you're from some foreign planet. And it's like, but you're just like, oh, this is heaven. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm not sure that I did. Um, I mean, I got really good at faking it. Oh yeah. And just like. So I, I have had some rib issues because mm-hmm. your ribs can sprain. Your ribs are joints, especially in the back where they connect into the uh, back of the vertebra into the mm-hmm. transverse processes mm-hmm. and then also the vertebral body. So your ribs can kind of sprain and I've done a lot of rib spraining. Um, and okay. that is off, like a chiropractor will say, oh, your rib is out but I've done some research on it and it's actually that you've cut, you've sprained it like an ankle. So it, okay. it, and that can be pretty painful. Um, and again, 
the ribs are connecting into the thoracic. So I'm spraining my ribs because my thoracic's not going to move. Mm-hmm. The only thing that can move are my ribs. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then how did you, how did you adjust that? Um, well, I don't think that I did. I didn't, okay. you know, I sprained my ribs a lot when okay. I was dancing, which meant that I had a lot of, there were, were times where like, I would, wouldn't be able to move my neck. Um, okay. and I didn't really understand what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and now with what I know, I see, of oh, oh, that's what was going on. Eventually I did get, um, some physical therapy, which was just really some basic back strengthening. And okay. that helped a lot with the rib, with the rib, um, sprains. Okay just so that I had some back muscles that would kick in Mm -hmm. and prevent the ribs from. Okay. Interesting. I've never heard of ribs spraining before. Have you heard of the ribs going like a chiropractor saying, Oh, your rib is out. uh, I've never heard that, but I've heard many stories where people go to chiropractors and the chiropractor says they'll fix them. And it's not the case, but I've never heard that terminology specifically. Yeah, I, I personally, I'm, I'm too scared. I went once and I don't like the cracking. Yeah. So and there are, you know, I don't see a chiropractor currently. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. There are different types of chiropractors that don't crack. Um, so it's an, in, that whole subject is very interesting because yeah. there, it is so broad, which is why it's hard to know when you go, what you're going to get. Yeah, but I, there, I've generally, I've heard stories of people with scoliosis who went to a chiropractor and somebody gave it the terminology, the placebo effect. Mm, yeah. And I totally get that, but I'm just not comfortable try, yeah. even trying it out. I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. um, but so, so tell us what is life like now? I mean, are you still dancing? Are you, um, you're yeah, in Idaho. Yeah, that's a good question. Am I still dancing? Um, I think I'm still moving. Okay. I have been, so during the pandemic, I really stopped dancing. I was taking class at home for the first month or two. And then for some reason, I don't know if it's a coincidence or there was something to it, but during um, the George Floyd protests, and the subsequent riots and the upheaval during that time, I stopped dancing. And okay. I kind of just, it was my choice. It was just this description of like, yeah, I don't feel like smiling and kicking my leg to my face right now. It's just not what I want to do. And actually what I did was I took a Chekhov scene study class, okay, which felt really relevant because it was about people not willing to change when everything was changing and they were just holding on to the past. Um, we're, there's still a lot of people in that space. (laughs) So now I did take, um, a city company workshop in August and that work involves something called Suzuki technique Mm -hmm. and also viewpoints technique. And the viewpoints is what I would refer to as it's rooted in postmodern dance and it's improv. How the body is relating to space, how the body's relating to time and to shape and to all of these things. Um, and that was very inspiring to me just to move in a big space without vocabulary. 
So I'm doing some of that work online now and okay. I'm navigating what dance looks like, choreography or mm -hmm. movement or um, what that means. And I'm still acting as well. That sounds, it sounds nice. It sounds soothing. Yeah, it is nice. And what was shocking is that it's really hard. Um, both Suzuki and Viewpoints are extraordinarily physically challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but I think because I've done so much work in learning where neutral spine is for me and, and strengthening around that, it did not bother my back at all, Okay, which was an awesome experience. That, that it just, it sounds, it just sounds pleasant. Like mm -hmm. just. <sighs> yeah, it is. I mean, walk around a space and just explore the space. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's you can do that for an hour. It is kind of a mindful meditation in some ways. Um, and opening up different sensories. So using, mm -hmm ear your sound and touch we're so we're such a visual yeah culture um so yeah it's great there's a choreographer whose name i'm totally blanked on but it reminds me of her she did it during the pandemic she did a piece with uh misty copeland and and a bunch and dancers there was another dancer in brazil mm. and you know who she is i just can't think of her name she's got white hair she's an older woman and she always explored outside the box of space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but that sounds a lot like what she still does. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, ABT has worked with her, I think, extensively. Is it Twyla? Yes. Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you are. <laughs> Jen, tell us, if somebody, is there anything else that you would like to share with us that we haven't hit on uh, on this episode today? Um, I just think for people with scoliosis and spinal fusions that it's a journey and continuing to explore that journey has been very helpful for me mm -hmm. um, because your environment changes so that how the environment is affecting you changes, but then also you change as you age. Um, and so just continuing to explore because there's new information coming out. And um, I am a big proponent of continuing to move. I think that can be extremely helpful. It's been extremely helpful in my life. I also think that it's helpful um, for some people to hear stories or to just know that they're not alone. And that's a little bit easier now with social media. Yeah. Um, that is why I love, I love teaching classes. Just, you know, I actually separate my classes for people with scoliosis. And then I have other classes for people with spinal fusions so that people with spinal fusions or with scoliosis, they can speak up and ask their questions because my experience might not be the same as someone else's experience. Yeah. Um, but then that's where my creative brain gets to imagine what it might be like to have someone else's experience and how to possibly modify or make suggestions. Mm -hmm. um, so I just think 
looking at scoliosis as a journey might be really helpful. I, I had another question, but like just ending on that kind of already answers the question, but I'm just gonna ask the question anyway. If you, the little girl, the little Jen versus the adult Jen, what would you tell that little girl? Good question. I think I might tell her, and this doesn't necessarily, I believe, have to pertain to the scoliosis of the spinal fusion, but I would say don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> Literally. Know? Yeah, don't sweat the small stuff. And, and you didn't. Yeah. You didn't. So. Yeah, I, I, you know, I will say I do feel really fortunate in some ways because I wasn't given a lot of limitations. Mm -hmm. I did have to find those limitations myself. Okay. Um, so it's tricky. Some people, it's, their experience is just the opposite where they are given limitations by the medical community and then they have to explore outside of those limitations, but really like somewhere in between. And it's going to depend upon the person, which is why every single person's journey, I think, is different. Well said. Hmm. Well said. Well said. Jen, if somebody would like to reach out to you regarding a class or to talk to you just to have questions, where is the best place for them to find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is the best place to find me at scoliosis and backcare.com. And I do do 15 to 30 minute complimentary consultations. You can see my class schedule there. Um, there are times when I teach workshops in other places like Chicago and New York, I've taught in DC. And then I am on social media at scoliosis and backcare.com. Okay. I tend to weave in and out of social media, depending upon what other things are happening. <laughs> so life goes yeah. on, life goes on. Jen, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the scoliosis podcast. If anybody has a question, please, by all means, feel free to reach out to Jen. She's happy to answer any questions you have or do a consultation with her. Jen, thanks for being a guest on the show. Thank you, Teresa. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>